God bless you all. So let's recording in progress. Welcome everyone. Um the word of the Lord says in Psalms, it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, and be thankful unto him and bless his name. When we come before the Lord into his presence, it's it's commanded that we thank him, it's commanded that we worship him. Um, you know, as David says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to uh, dwell in the tents of the wicked. And whenever we're invited to come into his tents and his courts, remember it, it's by the way, it's by the blood of Jesus that we even have opportunity to come into his courts. And therefore, what an honor, um, what a privilege, what a blessing that the Lord has spared us and that we are not victims to condemnation. Uh, we are not subjects to condemnation. Um, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so since we are no longer, we don't stand condemned, uh, condemned to hell, condemned to death, what an honor it is to come into his presence. Death can't dwell in his presence. Those who are subjects and victims of death and condemnation have no right to enjoy his presence, to come into his presence. And so is it of any wonder that he commands us to be thankful? Uh, he commands us to enter into his courts. Remember the courts uh, uh, were the, it was located in the temple. And so as you entered into the courts, be thankful unto him. Now we enter into heavenly courts. We enter into the heavenly inner chambers. By by a new and living way, as the scriptures tells us. And so, <coughs> I just want to remind us that it's an honor. It's a privilege. I want to, I want to give you this to think about. Because there are a number of things that we could be possibly thinking about, such as our flesh, um, the hunger of our bellies, our tiredness, or whatever whatever it might be that you are currently thinking about that wants to hinder your uh wants to hinder you from pressing further into God and into his presence i want to i want to remind you that there are currently people today i i would say it's safe to assume that somewhere in the world today there is a lost sinner who is wrestling with their eternal state. They are wrestling with their eternal destiny. And they haven't crossed to life yet. However, they are calling on the name of Christ to obtain what you now currently enjoy. Do you realize that? In other words, there are lost sinners today that are utterly desperate for what you and I currently have. Um, I was telling my wife the other day. Because we were talking about people who die on their deathbeds. 
And um, I believe that happens. I believe that. I believe that from the scriptures, there's a sinner uh, on the cross. However, there are certain people who reason within themselves. God alone knows the heart. There are certain people who reason within themselves, say, I will put my repentance off for later. But you don't understand that the for those who reason that way, for those who reason that way, the the choice, the, the narrow road becomes more and more narrow uh, as they continue further on in life. So that by the point that they enter, by the point, at the point to where they're they're about to die, the the road closes so narrow to where the opportunity for salvation ends. Because God is basically giving them what they want. And and which is the reason why they've waited so long up until the point of, of death. Uh, and I'm not saying that's for everybody. There's certain people that um, finally the revelation of, of Christ and his salvation appears to them on their deathbed. And they, they freely accept. They, they didn't know and the eyes of their understanding are enlightened and they come to knowledge. <laughs> However, there's certain people who say, yeah, I'll put it off, I'll put it off. But see, see, the thing is what's preventing them from saying yes now is their lusts and their pride. And, and see, that, that's the problem with men's pride and lusts is that even to the point of death, pride is such a strong vice that it prevents them from saying yes to Christ. And so that while one would like to think they would say yes, at the verge of death, it turns out to be something that they're incapable of saying, incapable of crying out unto God for. This is many, many times the case. Um, and so that's why you have Judases and guys like that who obviously put an end to their lives and and there's no no place of repentance similar to Esau. It says, though he sought it with many tears, he could not obtain it. Because the window of mercy closes. Does that make sense? Amen. <clears throat> so, so as you guys are coming on now, what, what wondrous grace that your hearts would be receptive to the word of eternal life today. Amen. And so, um, this is why um, God, he, he doesn't reckon excuses. He doesn't take into account excuses. Um, it, from an eternal perspective, our temporal problems are, are so insignificant to the mind of God. He doesn't dismiss them. But you must understand from an eternal perspective, they, they are small. They're small to the Almighty. And so, um, with that said, I want us to come now to prayer. I want to ask for your undivided attention as we come to the Lord and seek Him. Um, to ask Him to bless this day's um, a word that He would speak to your hearts. And I want to ask that you would find place in your heart to a, a desperation or hunger in your heart. Um, to hear the word of the Lord. 
real quickly, the Lorca passes by. What grabs a hold of his attention is hunger. That's what separates the man who gets blessed and the man who doesn't, is the degree of hunger. And so, let us come to the Lord and ask Him with hungry hearts that He would speak to us to this day and provide us with direction. So, Lord, we come before You, Father. We come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that Your presence would accompany us, O Lord. I pray that you, Lord, would provide us with direction and you would provide us with guidance. Father, I pray for those that are dealing with difficult decisions that they have to make. God, I pray that you would speak directly to their situation. Father, I ask, Lord, that we would not be lacking in zeal, but we would be fervent serving the Lord. Father, cause our spirits to boil with zeal. Cause our hearts to to boil, O Lord, with fire. Father, I ask that the fire on our altar would never go out. Father, I pray that the fire on our altars would never cease. And Lord, that we would offer on your altar, O Lord, sacrifices holy and acceptable unto you, which is our reasonable act of worship. Lord, I ask that we would not be apathetic or indifferent or cold or lukewarm or so self-seeking Lord that we would find no place to offer unto you Lord spiritual sacrifices Lord, like David said in Psalm 141 Lord may my prayer come to you as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice father may we find place for sacrifice And Lord, I pray that you would wash us in your precious blood. Lord, I I pray that our hearts would be softened enough to be able to receive your word and that it would germinate and provide fruit, acceptable fruit, acceptable fruit, that we would prove to be your disciples bearing much fruit unto your glory. God, I pray that you would back my words with your presence. Hallelujah. Lord, may there be unction, and may there be weight, and may there be conviction, and edification, and direction, and guidance, and inspiration by your Spirit. In your holy and precious name, O oh Lord, I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, I want to be speaking to you guys today about... Um, wisdom see what we what we must understand is that the kingdom of god is built upon to live effectively in the christian walk there's a number of things that we must have um we need power we need knowledge we need wisdom right it's not enough to be wise because if you have no power to execute, all your all the wisdom that you have will be ineffective. You can't effect any change by merely being wise. You have to have power. But it's not enough to have power. Because you can have power 
And the Bible tells us in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, for the lack of knowledge, my people perish. Right? So you, you can have an absence of knowledge and perish by reason of that absence. You can fail to obtain the proper knowledge, and as a consequence of that, you, you perish. Right? People will perish without knowing the gospel. But it's, see, it's not only just not knowing the gospel, there's certain truths that you must unlock that are hidden in Christ that without those truths, you will suffer in certain areas in your life. Okay? So we need, we need wisdom, we need knowledge, we need power, we need additional other things. But uh, today I want to focus specifically on wisdom because with, without wisdom... We won't, we won't thrive in this kingdom because we are part of a kingdom and we need to be able to thrive within this kingdom. And unfortunately, many believers get into certain things in their lives that could have been avoided if they were wise. Amen. The Bible doesn't, the Bible in fact says to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And so Jesus wasn't devaluing being shrewd and, and prudent and wise like a serpent. In fact, he places great value on it and says, this is exactly, you have to mimic, you have to, uh, you have to mimic a snake. And this is, this is a part of being wise, is that we can learn from things, we can learn from nature. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs, Go to the ant, you sluggard, learn from her ways, and be wise. We can similarly learn, not only from ants, but we can learn from serpents. What do they do? What are their capacities? What are their functions? See, that's, that's what we should be aspiring to. We sh should obtain wisdom. Why? Because wisdom is reflective of God. Because God himself is all-wise right as the scripture says paul writes to timothy he says to the immortal invisible only wise god immortal invisible only wise god and so i want to ask that we turn to genesis chapter 1 and i as i've mentioned already i want you to provide your undivided attention because um God bless, God bless those who just uh, joined. Welcome. <clears throat> See, I want to, I want to remind you of the. See, just because we gather in a Bible study doesn't mean that Satan is has ended his assaults. <clears throat> it doesn't mean that, in fact. Um, one of the ways that you want to attract the devil is that you fast and you pray and you do spiritual things. It's See, Jesus' fasting didn't repel the devil, it attracted him. Do you see that? Jesus, when he was in the wilderness, during his fasting, fasting was a spiritual thing he was offering unto the Lord. The devil stuck to him like a magnet. And so don't think that you are going to join a Bible study or do anything that is of any spiritual value 
unto the Lord and think that you'll be met with you won't be met with any um, thoughts or remember when the word was sown that the bird came and snatched it away. What did Jesus tell us that it represented? It represented the devil. And so, you know, the Bible applauds both hearers and doers. But what will it avail us? What profit will it be us if we're hearing but have no understanding? You can't do what you don't understand. And you can't understand what you don't give attention to. Does it make sense? And so... Um, let us let us turn to Genesis chapter one verse one through uh, nine. It says, "In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty; darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, "Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good." And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. In darkness he called night. And there was evening. And there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening. And there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place. And let dry ground appear. And it was so. And so notice right here, verse 9. Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And I want want you, we'll pass pass from this scripture to the next. But a couple of observations I want you to take note of is, number one, God... Well, Genesis actually means beginning. So the the book, the beginning, is an account for what God did in the beginning. And we find that God created the heavens and the earth. Right? Now, I want to, um, at this point, ask that we turn to Psalm 24. Is going to complement Genesis. Uh, Psalm 24, verses 1 through 2. Once again, Psalm 24, verses 1 through 2. The word of the Lord says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Okay. Now, I want to read one one last verse. Um. So, real quick, though, <clears throat> we see that the Lord established the earth on the waters. Right? That's one of the points that I wanted to bring out from that. And Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19. The word of the Lord says, By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding he set the heavens in place. And so, what I wanted to, what I want you to understand from these passages that we've read is, number one is, in in the book of Genesis, 
we know it already and we take this knowledge for granted. However, God created the heavens and the earth. And what was the description there that we find? It says it, says it was uh, void and without form. So now, now, many theologians debate about this, but I think a very simple understanding about it being formless and void is to say that it was chaotic. It had no order. Right? So God created something in the beginning that was orderless. It was chaotic. Now, what exactly that amounts to, who knows? But nonetheless, the scriptures tells us that it was without form. And it was void. That is to say, it had chaos. There was no order. And then we find further in Psalm 24 that the earth, uh, that the earth and, and all of this was laid uh, upon the waters. right? And then finally, in the, in the third uh, passage that I had us turn to is in Proverbs. We find that the Lord accomplished this by wisdom. right? See, God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning. It was without form and it was void. But the Lord established it by wisdom. Do you see that? So in other words, it takes wisdom to, cre- to es- create order and to provide establishment to that which is chaotic. And so what is the value to wisdom? Is wisdom, when applied to situations, takes what's chaotic and transitions it to order. Do you guys see that? Amen. So, Amen. again, by by wisdom, the Lord, He establishes it. It was pre. See, here's the thing. Do you want? Do you want to? Do you want to know why people's lives are chaotic? Because you just take that principle of, of chaos in the earth without form, and and then you. You evaluate the lives of people and you have to ask this question. Why are their lives chaotic? Why is there no order? Why is it without form? It's precisely because they are foolish and they have an absence of wisdom. And so God established, he provided order to the earth. See, the earth he created in the, he created there in the beginning. But he wasn't done with the process. It wasn't until the process was complete that it could be said that the earth was established. Do you see that? In the beginning, it was for, it was without form and it was void. But through that meth, that methodological process, God provided order to that which was chaos, chaotic, and He accomplished that by reason of of wisdom. And so, what we can learn from God is that, number one, he's wise, and number two, since some of our lives are chaotic, he wants to provide wisdom to that which is without form in your life. See, see, it has to be brought into conformity of Christ, the conformity of his will. Anything, that, because here's the thing, 
when God created the earth, he didn't say once he created it, it was good. It wasn't until the first day he said it that uh, that when he was bringing the earth through its process, then he said it was good. And the second day, then that is good. And the third day, that's good. But on the first, when he, when he first um, caused all of this to come into being, it, it was not without process yet. It was, it was therefore not good. And so there are certain things in our lives that have not been brought, have not been established by order, have not been established by wisdom. And so therefore, there are certain things in our lives that are not good. It's, it hasn't reached its expected end. It has not reached its fulfillment for what God intends for your life. So, therefore, we, we ought to desire wisdom. We ought to desire to obtain wisdom from God. Amen. I want to give a definition to, to wisdom. It is the competency to deal with the complexities of life. And so in other words, you have the ability to adequately meet the complexities of life successfully. Because because life isn't black or white. And if you're black and white in your thinking, you'll be swallowed up. Those who are black and white in their thinking are rigid. And they'll be met by complex situations that will swallow them up. You don't believe me? It, it doesn't matter. I've seen it time and time again. It We have to have a a, a very enriched understanding on how to meet problems in life because not every situation that we run into will be easy to deal with there are see this is especially true for all those who have served in any capacity of, of leadership there are very hard situations that there are no easy answers to and if you want to be cookie cutter about things and just, you know, uh, uh, um, you know what a cookie cutter does. It's the same, you know, same exact measurement for everything you slice. You can't be cookie cutter with life. But here are the three things that are encapsulated within wisdom is number one, foresight, number two, insight, and number three, knowledgeableness. So foresight is the ability to predict a result from a given situation. Is that clear? Amen, somebody? Can I get a little bit of feedback so I know that you're all with me? If you guys can uh, type amen to a little bit, that, that would be helpful just so... I know that you guys are following along. <clears throat> Maybe that struck a chord in some of your flesh. Oh, who are you to tell me say amen? See, um, see, some of you guys have to get that sanctified out of you. 
And I, I say that because the Bible says Jesus knowing their thoughts. You have to understand that when, when, when we're in a gathering like this, the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you. So you might be looking at me and say, oh, you know, that's just Brother Greg. No, 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 no. Discern what the Lord says to you. Yes, I'm a man, but the Holy Spirit is speaking. And and if you're going to deny that, woe be unto you. I know I know that God uh is speaking. And so um be in subjection to his authority. It's it's kind of like remember when remember when the um in the Old Testament there were there were um forgot their names but they began to quarrel they began to say a lot of stuff against Moses and then the lord ended up indicting them because the the verdict was that they were actually rebelling against god not because they they were saying anything to god directly but because moses was under inspiration that their rebellion was rebellion against god And see, this is where we have to believe the scriptures more than we believe, you know, church culture. Because things like that will get you into trouble today. They'll say, oh, no, you know, this and this and that. That was just, that was back then. But if we're going to believe the Bible, we have to know for what it says in truth. And so, um, with that said, moving forward, not wisdom is is foresight, insight. And see, insight is the ability to know differences. And see, because when you are lacking insight, you won't know the the subtle differences between people or situations or times. And that might mean life or death. <laughs> Let me give you an example. So... <laughs> Forgive me, it's, I don't know why it was the, the example that came to my mind. But suppose a man, and, and forgive me, I'm not trying to be crude. It's just, I think it's a, it's a very good example. Suppose a man is in a bar, right? And, and he's picking up on what he, supposes to, what he supposes to be a lady. But he doesn't know the subtle difference of the Adam's apple. <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying? You following I mean, bro, you, that that would suck. But it's the that it, the point that I'm trying to make is that those subtle differences are encapsulated within wisdom. Amen. I, I have seen people try to do things for God that weren't wise. They were they were unwise in their dealings with people. See, and and that's that's how you know you become a wise man, is that you 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 you. And then third, the third thing is knowledgeableness. Knowledgeableness in what areas? Knowledge of God, knowledge of your own heart, knowledge of people and how they function, and knowledge of seasons and times. 
As it states in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, for everything under the sun there is both timing and judgment. You want to know how you become wise? See, just see, some people got a lot of passion for God, but they don't know how to interact with people, and so therefore they, they don't have wisdom. Or they don't know themselves. They don't know their own heart. They lack self-awareness. Amen. You know, you know those babies that, you know, or baby, or even adults, they try to do things athletically, and they overshoot themselves, and they get severely injured because they don't know them. They lack self-awareness. See, lacking self-awareness can get you into trouble. It can try to... See, lacking self-awareness, you'll sit in the governor's seat when you need to sit among lower men. Amen. Amen. You, you, You can dismiss this and write it off as worldly wisdom, but Jesus said, he says, he says, don't take seat among the great. He says, for what will happen in the latter end if they say, hey, no, this seat is reserved for someone else. Amen. See, pride causes you to lack self-awareness because you think of yourself more highly than you ought. So, I want to I want to here give us a couple of reasons. We, we can go to uh, Proverbs chapter eight, and I want to give us a, a number of reasons for why wisdom is important. Proverbs chapter eight, beginning at verse ten. Once again, Proverbs chapter 8, beginning at verse 10. It says, Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. So number one, the importance of wisdom is that it's valuable. Right? And the 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 substance of wisdom is of greater value in God's currency than silver and rubies. So let me ask you this question. Then are you striving as much uh, as are you striving with great zeal at your job more than you're striving for wisdom? Because if the Bible is telling us that the value of wisdom is greater than that of silver, it doesn't mean don't pursue silver. It just means that your pursuit of wisdom should be greater than your pursuit of silver. Amen. Is your pursuit of 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 entertainment or anything else of a greater pursuit than obtaining wisdom from God? And so, number one, it has value. Number, uh, uh, turn to verse fifteen in that same chapter. Is by me kings reign and rulers issues decrees that are just. By me princes govern and nobles all who rule on the earth. <clears throat> so, number two, kings reign by way of wisdom. And I remember. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said that you can't keep um, a gifted man, a a, a, a gifted and anointed man among obscure men forever. 
In other words, what he was saying is you can't keep them unknown forever. Their gift will make room for them, as Proverbs states. And so wisdom will enable you to elevate. Amen. Amen. So why why will someone listen? Why will someone? Well, unfortunately, we have crowds that listen to fools all the time. But you know, Oprah Winfrey, they listen to they li- And I don't say that to be insulting. The Bible, Paul said to the Corinthians, "You are fools. You're foolish." Right. So Oprah's a fool. A lot of these other people that have these talk show hosts are fools. And unfortunately, there are great crowds that listen to them. But among the people of God, what will command attention? What will command your elevation? What will command for stewardship to be entrusted to you is wisdom. Do you think people are going to do you think wise people are going to follow a fool? No, it takes wisdom to execute justice and righteousness. Number three is, you obtain riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. Verse 18, it says right here in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 18, With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. You know, see, fools, see, this is what I dislike about the church sometimes is that there are certain topics that are taboo. It's like a uh, it's like a golden calf, don't touch that. And unfortunately, um, certain taboo topics is sex and money. We 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 treat sex as if it's icky, like oh we shouldn't talk about that in church like <gasps> gasp. And this this pseudo false hyper purity culture has caused us to not talk about things in the church that should be talked about because it's talked about all throughout the scriptures. And so don't think you're more, more pure than God because God has something to say about it. Amen. In fact, if we don't say something about it, people are going to fall headlong into corruption. Amen. And then secondly is Money. You know, people get funny when you talk about money. And it's true. Immediately, guards go up. And let me ask you, if your guards are going up when money is talked about, then that ain't the Holy Ghost. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. All kinds of evils, to be technical in the scriptures. It says it's the root of all kinds of evils. <clears throat> However, we re, we we are so reactionary. And see, the thing is, if you're reactionary, that mean that is suggestive that you are still a soulish Christian, because there's things within your soul that is causing you to react. You're not in tune with the Spirit of God enough to be able to to. Here, without coming to a conclusion, I was talking to uh, someone the other day, and then uh, I was like, I was just telling this individual, like, slow down, <laughs> um, because they were giving answers before I can even ask a question. Have you ever noticed people who do that? 
Like you're you're asking a question. They don't even allow you to fully articulate what you're trying to say, and they already interject. Is because they're reactionary. And Christians do this a lot of times in debates and dialogues. You know why you're doing that? Is because you're reactionary. You're not. You're more quick to speak than you are to listen. You know, I love this rule that Jordan Peterson has. And he says, assume that the person talking to you has something that they know that you don't. It's wisdom. Because there are more things that we don't know than there are things we do know. Amen. Amen. So, so when we're talking about money, we ought not to be reactionary to money. In fact, the Bible you know, the, the, the topic of money is one of the topics that Jesus most sat on and talked about in the scriptures. So if he, if he talked about it, why, why are we going to allow ourselves to be reactionary because of a certain mainstream Christian culture that has abused the topic of money? So you're saying we're going to allow the truth of God to be robbed because of counterfeits? doesn't make sense any more or any less than it would make sense to say I'm not going to talk about the gospel because there are counterfeits out there excuse me (laughs) how does that logically follow it doesn't so by wisdom if you obtain wisdom Proverbs chapter 8 says with me are riches and honor enduring wealth and prosperity you want to know one of the signs that your wealth is from God? It's enduring. That's why it also states in Proverbs, uh, money gained hastily will quickly dwindle, but he that gathers little by little shall obtain increase. You know, that's why, that's why you know, <laughs> people who buy into those like, hey, make money instantly. They're not wise. And they fall headlong into that. If it's too good to be true, it's because it's too good to be true. Amen. (laughs) So, but if you obtain the wisdom that God has for you. See, let me say this. It's not the wisdom, it's not the will of God for us to be broke. And I, I, I can already hear certain Christians like of certain camps and groups say, "Oh, they'll." I I hear them like Pharisees, like oh, blasphemy, blasphemy. See, people like that are religious, soulish Christians that haven't obtained maturity and don't know the scriptures. Now, I am not saying that believers don't go through financial hardships. And I'm not even saying that a believer for a season might have to struggle. But you must understand that the end goal is not for that believer to stay there. It's not for them to stay there. Hold on. I gotta put don't disturb on my phone because... People, all, no one likes to call me until like I'm on Zooms. I don't, I don't know. Devil's whispering in so many ears. Hey, call that guy. 
He's on Zoom Bible study right now. Call him. <laughs> like just random numbers like spam risk. Like that's what it said on my phone right now. Spam risk. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> it's not the will of the Lord for an, a believer to remain there. We see... You must understand that the God of the Old Covenant in the Old Testament is the God of the New. And the Bible states in the Pentateuch, it says that it is He, the Lord, that provides power to to obtain wealth. And He says that to His people. He says in Proverbs 3, it says, If you offer to Him the first fruit of your flocks, the first fruit of your increase, it says, Then your vats shall overflow. Your barn shall be filled with plenty, and your vat shall overflow with new wine. Man. See, we can be saved, we can be sanctified, we can be holy, but we can lack wisdom. So what we need is the wisdom of God in this specific area. In fact, you can be wise in a particular area and be foolish in another See, just because you're wise in a particular area doesn't mean that it's said uh, it and forget it. You might be very wise when it comes to stewarding finances, but be completely ignorant as far as relationships are concerned. Or in parenting. Does this make sense? Amen. <clears throat> Here are additional reasons why... Uh, Wisdom is important. Is number four in, uh, is you find and obtain life. It states that in Proverbs 8 verse 35. All right, it says, For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. Do you want the Lord's favor? Increase in wisdom. Obtain wisdom. So you can be you can be saved and lack favor with men. You can have favor with God and then not translate to favor with men. Amen. You know? Because you're not wise. See, you have to understand that see, some people, you know, as as they've said, um there's two extremes. You're you're so earthly minded, you're no heavenly good, or you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. And and normally the you know the ones that are so heavenly minded are always thinking about, oh yeah, I just you know, uh, they're always thinking about end times, end times, end times, like and and they neglect what's in their immediate sphere. And then there are people who are so roots in the ground and only think about now and don't think about the future that they're no heavenly good. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, the man that fears God shall avoid both extremes. Go fact check that. You know, be like Mark Zuckerberg and fact check me if you like. Google it. It's there. So my point though is we want to avoid extremes. And the way that we will avoid extreme is the obtaining of wisdom. And if we obtain wisdom, we find favor from the Lord. But see, here's the thing. The Bible says that Jesus grew in favor both in the sight of God and men. 
Man. See, you you want to know? Let me let me make it very clear to you. You want to know one of the reasons why believers lack favor with men is because they are dishonorable vessels. Is they continue to dishonor people. Amen. And so, while you may be saved, because because of the dishonor you carry. It closes doors for you. See, you want to know one of the ways you can honor people? Is you you give, you sow unto them. You give to them. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs, it says, he's a friend that, a man is a friend to him that gives gifts. You, you want to know, like, for example, like there are certain people I know that I value in my life and I will sow into them, regardless of what that might mean. It might mean financially. It might mean, um, um, you know, my time. And you know what that does? It sustains my, that access to them. And I don't allow familiarity to breed contempt in my heart, to cause a my heart to become dishonorable to those individuals. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> and and you know why? Because after a period of time, if you're not reciprocal, if you don't if you don't show adequate honor, that access that door might close to you. And see, this is why, this is why, like, for example, on the job, you know, there are certain people that, that do the bare minimum. They never show their boss honor. And so what happens is that boss isn't going to favor you. You might have favor before the Lord, but you don't got favor with him. And you know, but here, here are some that if you show honor to your boss and you commit your everything to them, there are times that boss, you, you, you you are completely sick, or you're not even sick. You just tell your boss, "Hey, I, I'm just, you know, I, I don't really feel like coming in today." Like, and you're consistent. You work. He will make favorable exceptions for you. There there are some that will do that because you have now become a valuable asset to that company, and you're not a liability. And so, because you carry that honor and that dedication in that sphere. That person who carries all that authority and influence can trickle down to your life. Do you see that? See, see, this is why we have to carry that as a as a way of life. I have to carry that within our character. And to be an honorable individual is to be a wise be a wise man or a wise woman. <clears throat> Here are a number of other reasons why we would want wisdom. Is verse thirty six you avoid death? Proverbs eight verse thirty six but those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. 
You want to know one of the, you know, one of, you want to be able to identify a, a person who doesn't love wisdom very much is they talk too much. It, it like they just ramble on about everything. It doesn't matter where they're at. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who they're speaking to. They'll ramble. That's why the Bible says in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. Now, this is contextual because in a particular context, it may make very. Was that the last thing you just said? Could you repeat that? Uh, in uh, I think it's in Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. It says, "Wherever there's a multitude of words, sin is not lacking." Okay, okay, okay. Now, now that's contextual because in a particular context, it may make very, very good sense and reason why someone may be speaking a lot. Like, for example, like if I were to have ever met Jordan Peterson, it would make good sense why I would allow him to do a lot of talking. I'm not going to do very much interrupting with the exception of questions. That makes a lot of sense. Right? Now, but I, I'm talking about regardless. Always... You know, that's that's why the Bible talks about keeping, you know, our mouths like a gate. And and not coming into conclusions or judgments without hearing a matter. That's why Proverbs talks about this so often, because it's wisdom to refrain from speech before you hear a matter. Is to acquire knowledge, to be slow. To be slow. You know, this is this is one of the reasons why I, as an individual, had purpose to major in philosophy, is so that I can cultivate more a clear and concise way of thinking, because I never wanted to fall into error. Because I know if I fall into error in my speech or my thinking or my writing, and I come to believe it, I'm now living a delusion. Does that make sense? That's why when you lie, you have to create a false reality. That serves as a smokescreen, and so somewhere, it, it it doesn't it doesn't end up working out for you because you have to cover that up, and you end up living a lie. Amen. And it's only when you stay consistent with reality. What is reality? That which is real. When you stay in what is real, then you can have fruit. The moment you start avoiding light is you're now walking in darkness. And the Bible says, those who walk in darkness know not at which they stumble. <clears throat> and I would say number seven is you obtain glory. Yes, thank you, sister. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, when words are many... Sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Don't you like those idioms? Hold your tongue. You gotta, you know, because it because it's impulsive. It wants to, it wants to move on its own accord. So you have to put restraint to it. Does that make sense? You have to put restraint to your tongue. 
You you want to know one of the good ways to be able to refrain from improper speech is to pray uh, consistently before the Lord by the Spirit. Because your tongue is trained to speak the language of God. You know, I posted something in my stories recently and I said, if you can talk about God more than you can talk to God, you haven't mastered prayer. You know, last night, I you know, this isn't a boast or anything. I couldn't sleep. And so... You know, I went on my belly and I started praying. I just started weeping before the Lord. And I love I love those times. To dwell with God, to dwell with Him. As that song says, to dwell with you is my only heart's desire. My only heart's desire. Cleanse me with fire. Come and purify my heart. And be careful what you sing and pray because the Lord will do that. You know, take certain people out of your life. That's what it means. He, 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 will, he, he will do things that will cause you pain. Cause you angst. A groan. Have you ever been there when you when you had groans too deep for words? We groan to be clothed with glory. Groan to be conformed to the image of Christ. Amen. And see, let me just say this parenthetically. This is this is why this is why I'm so often distressed. <clears throat> last night I was crying and I was interceding for the churches I was telling God I was like God I'm so tired of entertainment I'm so sick of entertainment in your house I'm tired of I want to see his glory I want to see his power and his presence and his person And I say this not to be a critically spirited individual, but I say this with all gravity. There are too many clowns behind the pulpits today. There are too many. And may the Lord have mercy on them. I I pray that they not be judged, but for them to repent. But oh my, that there there are so much clowning in the house of God today. So many gimmicks. So many, so many men that don't know Christ. They don't know Him experimentally, experientially, and deeply and intimately, and they're proclaiming the things of eternal life, and they have no weight and no substance, no Christ on them. 
church is the bride of Christ. The church is his bride. Our hearts should cry out in intercession. Our hearts should continually cry out in intercession that God would meet his people with true revival. True revival. Like Habakkuk cried, he says, In the midst of the years, revive thy work. Have mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Do we desire His glory? Do we desire His person? Do we desire His presence? Amen. Amen. In His presence there is fullness of joy and at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. I want to I show us an example of, of one who acted, who... Go to Second Kings chapter two. Second Kings chapter two. Now, one of the things I, I want us to understand is that there is a difference in in the domain of wisdom. There's there's a difference. Now there is a practical wisdom, a daily wisdom that we obtain from God. And again, as I've mentioned already, wisdom can be defined by the the competence to deal with the complexities of life through foresight, insight, and knowledgeableness. And foresight is the ability to predict certain resu- uh, uh, outcomes or results. When given situations, insights is not to know subtle differences, and knowledgeableness is well informed. Now, and here's the thing, though, is you can have knowledge without wisdom, but you can't have wisdom without knowledge. <coughs> and it's wisdom in these four different areas. It's wisdom, a knowledge of God, knowledge of your own heart, knowledge of people and how they work. And knowledge of uh, seasons and times, proper procedures and timing. Now that that when the word of God speaks to to those four categories and provides you with foresight, insight, and knowledgeableness in those four different areas, then it can be said that you are a wise individual. Like for example, when when King Solomon dealt wisely. With uh, with uh, um, the two women, remember there were prostitutes. One of the children died, and they didn't know who the ch- ch- uh, child belonged to. And he says, "Give me a sword." He says, "Cut the baby in half." And then the mother said, "No, no, no, no," because he said, "Cut the baby half and give one half to that woman, and give the other half to that woman." And then one woman said, "No, you know, let the other woman have it." And he said, "That's the mother." Why? Because he had wisdom. He understood men and women. He knew how they would re- react and how they would respond. 
And so that's what wisdom is. He had foresight and could could uh, predict a particular result in a in a given situation. Now, now he, here's the thing that I want to add within the domain of wisdom that 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 is wisdom informed by the Word of God and, and implemented and obeyed. And as you continue to grow in your understanding of the Scriptures, especially reading Proverbs, that you will be able to act prudently in situations like that and wisely. But here's the second thing, is it's not necessarily practical-wise living, but what we would define as the word of wisdom. Now, I want, I want to show you a manifestation of the word of wisdom. If you, for 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 19, <clears throat> it says, The people of the city said to Elisha, Look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Bring me a new bowl, he said, and he put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the spring and threw the salt into it, saying, This is what the Lord says, I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive and the water remain pure to this day, according to the word Elisha had spoken. Now, I want to say that there's actually three manifestations of, of the gifts of the Spirit here. Number one, is there's a miracle, right? Because the water was cured. And number two, it was prophecy because Elisha had prophesied, never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. So he was foretelling the future by way of prophecy. But thirdly, is a word of wisdom was given. And you must understand, wisdom is directive in nature. It's directive in nature to provide solution to a given complex situation by revelation of the Spirit. Does that make sense? So by way, it's not something you've acquired through obedience and practical living or information reading the Bible. That's that's practical daily living in wisdom. But a word of wisdom is something accomplished by way of revelation from the Spirit to provide directive to a hard situation and it will yield fruitful results. And so the directive was for Elisha to throw salt in the water. Does that make sense? Y'all following? Amen. <clears throat> so <clears throat> he was given a directive and the directive was to throw salt into the water. Okay? And so that is a manifestation of the word of wisdom. It's a directive to provide application to a hard situation to yield fruitful results. And it's not something you could learn. In fact, it's 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 above logic. There's nothing logical about throwing salt in the water and then causing it to cure. It's a miracle. And see, here is where, in fact, being informed by the book of Proverbs would probably lead you to think that's an unwise thing to do. Like, how is that going to work? What's the benefit... Of throwing, what is the benefit of Naaman dipping himself in the water seven times? Right? See, so, sometimes God will offend your mind to reveal your heart. 
That's why even as some of you are listening, some of you get offended at what I'm saying. And you know why? Because God is trying to reveal your heart. To show you how fleshly you can be. How do you how do you react? Do you manifest with anger? Do you manifest with offense? And and, and here's the thing is I don't I don't think as far as I can discern I'm being belligerent or obnoxious. I think I'm just simply delivering the truth. Not in an insensitive fashion. And so if you find an occasion of offense in your heart, you gotta ask yourself, is the Holy Ghost offended with his own work? No. The Holy Spirit rejoices at his word. You want to you want to know why? Because the Bible talks about the word being as uh, bitter. It talks about being sweet to the taste but bitter when it goes down. So it's it's sweet as honey. But it will cause some bitterness to the flesh. Amen. But God will offend your mind to reveal your heart. He will tell you things that won't make sense sometimes. In fact, a lot of uh, 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 people, even in the church, will say, yeah, that doesn't make sense. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've had people try to advise me and say, you know, when God spoke to me directly, I knew that I knew that God spoke to me. And they would say, oh, yeah, that that's not wise. And I'm like, well, I respect I respect your advice, but I know the Lord has spoken. And then obviously would end up yielding fruit and results. And But there are times that the Lord will tell you things that doesn't make sense in the natural. And see, here's the thing. Um, if we, I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. See, the Lord provides a word of wisdom. And if you wanted to just check where that's where that term is located, it's First Corinthians, I think, chapter twelve, verse eight. Uh, the Bible talks about the word of wisdom being a manifestation of the Spirit. First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse eight. I think it is. Yes. To one there is given through the Spirit of a message of wisdom or a word of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge. Now, but First Corinthians chapter two is where I want us to go to. Uh, I just wanted you to know that it's there in the scriptures, and to give you the exact reference if you wanted to make reference to it later. <clears throat> the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter ten, verse ten, it says, "If the axe is dull, it says, then must he put to more strength." But it says, "Wisdom is profitable to direct." See, when you don't have a word of wisdom, you know what happens? Is you have a dull axe trying to hack down a tree. And and you're more than likely going to be unsuccessful. What wisdom does is it provides a sharpening to, to that axe to accomplish something with greater ease. So, you, you know, it's a... Uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, for example, let me give you a real good example of 
how to how to accomplish something with ease. Suppose there's an orchard, right? An orchard of many trees, many trees, and they all have rows and columns, right? Within those rows and columns, all the trees are aligned properly. Suppose there's about a thousand of them equally. A man foolishly counts them one by one. <laughs> He's not wise. And say what you want to do is count the number of columns and count the number of rows, then add that up. And then you have a far e more efficient way of counting them without counting them individually. See how wisdom is profitable to direct. One man was cutting the tree with a dull axe and the other man was cutting with a sharpened one. See, what the word of wisdom does, it provides an application of God's wisdom uh, in a word, encapsulated in a word or a number of words, to your situation to provide a solution to that problem to yield great results so that you can accomplish it with greater ease. See, what you have to understand is the gifts of the Spirit are all also an indication of man's insufficiency. See, the, the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit are there to supplement wherever man is insufficient. Amen. Man doesn't know something, therefore we need to obtain a word of knowledge. Man is limited uh, uh, by reason of, of having no knowledge of the future, therefore the gift of prophecy is profitable to, <coughs> to man's insufficiency. The word of wisdom, man doesn't know how to get out of a particular solution, a situation, and needs a solution that is efficient and will yield fruitful results. Therefore, a word of wisdom is necessary. See, it's not enough to have a word of knowledge because you can know something about someone. Suppose God gives you a word of knowledge that they're in a, you know, living, like for example, uh, in a bad relationship, and you, you meet a stranger and God reveals that to you. But a word of wisdom will provide wisdom from God to how, as to how exactly to get out of that situation. So that they can, it's, it's directive in nature, so it can place them on the path of righteousness. See, wisdom is especially crucial in times where the, the Word of God doesn't directly speak to your situation. It's especially important in those times. And so, <clears throat> look at, uh, we'll be coming to a close here shortly. I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse um, 6. We do, however, speak a, word, uh, a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. See, this is what will get you into trouble if you don't have wisdom. Is You, you will be just like... Uh, the rulers who didn't think they were helping Jesus out by crucifying them. Because to the natural mind, it didn't make sense. 
how one can win by, by supposed defeat, how one would obtain life by death. You see how the Lord's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. The Bible says, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him." So the origin of this wisdom isn't something that the natural ear has seen, uh, has, seen uh, has heard, or the natural eye has seen. It says, these, these are the things that God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. See, let me break something down to you real quickly. There's something called knowledge by acquaintance. In philosophy, there's three, if you're interested at all in knowing this stuff, then take it for what it's worth. But in philosophy, there's three categories for knowledge. Know-how knowledge, propositional knowledge, and knowledge by acquaintance. Knowledge by acquaintance includes things such as sensory uh, information. What I see, what I hear, what I taste, um, what, what I feel, my emotions, or my thoughts, my, my past experiences, my memory. These are knowledge by acquaintance because it's first-person experience. It cannot be communicated to another party. You're the only one that has access to that knowledge. Now, Paul is tapping into something here that philosophers talk about today. And he says, No man knows the thoughts of the man except the spirit of that man within him. So you, you want to know why you know your own thoughts is because there's a spirit inhabiting your body and it's your spirit. And there's a compatibility between the brain and the spirit and it gives emergence to thoughts. You see? Now... No one knows the thoughts of God except his spirit. Then how then do we have access to his mind? Is because he has put in us his spirit. Amen. Does that make sense? So, you know, when we see, you know, the manifestation of the word of wisdom or prophecy, you know, and words of wisdom and knowledge and so on and so forth, there is a revelation of the knowledge of God because His Spirit inhabits me. You see that? So, otherwise, there's no way I could know those things. But that self-same Spirit is the same Spirit that reveals to us the truth of who Christ is. See, that, that is no less revelatory in nature. It is, in fact, a greater revelation that we wouldn't have a revelation of who Christ is. Jesus said to John... Uh, to Peter, blessed are you, uh, son of Barjona. He says, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. See, that's what, that's the difference between an unregenerate man and a regenerate man. The regenerate man who is born from the Spirit, born from above, has the Spirit of God residing within him, and therefore can see who Christ is in truth. He knows who Jesus is. You're, you're Christ. You're the Lord. 
You're not just a rabbi. You're not, and, and the, it's not just a mental ascent. You know it. That's why Paul says, no man can say by the Spirit of God, Jesus is cursed. Amen. No man can say that who has the Spirit within them. No man can say that. Because the presence of God takes residence in you. But he's saying, though, that God has given us his spirit so that we may know the deep things of God. And the deep things of God are, are cut off in access from men. And no eye will be able to see it. No ear will be able to hear it. No, only those who have the spirit living within them have access to the mind of God. But let me, even, let me, let me reveal something to you. Just because you have the Spirit of God doesn't mean that you will have all that you need to know from the mind of God. Because the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 2 that all treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. They're hidden. They're not necessarily hidden from you permanently, but they're hidden for you. But guess what that means? You have to go on a quest. Remember what we read earlier? That wisdom is more profitable than silver? So that's why it says in Proverbs chapter 2, If from then you cry after wisdom and lift up your voice for an understanding, then shall you find the knowledge of God, and wisdom shall be pleasant unto your soul when you seek for it as you do silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. Those hidden treasures are in Christ. My question to you is, are you seeking them? Because God is not going to freely give you something that you're not saying is worth it by your actions. And the way you show that it's worth it by your actions is that you're pursuing it with all that you got. This is what separates those who only are mediocre and for those who excel in the spirit. <clears throat> Amen, somebody? Amen. Amen. You can you can pout and get upset all you want, but it'll be to your own detriment. Be to your own downfall. You 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 cannot like the way that God has orchestrated. You cannot like the way God ordained this. That you would have to go and search for wisdom. We just want everything popcorn and microwaved. You know, I, I I learned real early. I remember in my earlier years, I would get very frustrated because I'd pray like 30 minutes. And I, I'm not trying to play no comparison game. God knows what is a stretch for you. But at that time, that wasn't a stretch for me. I'll get frustrated because in 30 minutes, the Lord wasn't appearing to me. And what he was teaching me after a while is this. I come when I want to. And see what that does is it creates a settled heart that learns how to wait. He places a spirit in you that yearns for him. And what God does is he refrains from coming so that you have no chance but to continue to wait until he satisfies that aching and that yearning in your heart. And you can get mad and frustrated and say, you know what, forget this. I'm going to just go get a burger or something. 
or I'm gonna just go watch TV. This is too this is too frustrating for me. And then and then he whispers, "What are you doing?" And 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 he, this has happened to me before. And then I'm thinking in my head, "Wait, I was just seeking you for you to speak to me. Now you're whispering to me in conviction that I I was trying to hear your voice back there." And what he does is he beckons you to come back. Isn't that how it is? When people run from God, you hear his voice. But when, you, when you're pursuing after him, you don't. He's testing your heart. He's testing you. How bad do you want him? How bad do you want to learn his ways? Amen. Didn't David say in Psalm 119, I pant after your laws? Teach me to know your statutes. As a deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants after you. Did it not say in Psalm 77 or Psalm 88, it says, All night with lifted hands, I lift, I lift them unto you all night. David said in Psalm 141, May my prayer come to you as incense, and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. See, there's some sacrifices that you have to make in the evening when you're tired and your days have been far long spent. So, you know, that's that's the problem in the church today is we've lost the art of sacrifice. We think everything should come easily. But there are no painless Pentecosts. Pentecosts are painful, waiting 10 days on the Lord. But here's the thing I've learned. You're going to drink a cup of pain. And you're going to drink a cup of pleasure. You have to discover early on which cup of pain do you want. It's inevitable. It's unavoidable. I'd rather just drink the cup of pain that is a pain to my flesh, but will result to glory and honor in the spirit than to partake of the fleeting pleasures of sin for a season and have a great, great regret in the spirit. I'm, I, I don't, I can't do that. <clears throat> so, closing up here, it says, verse 14, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Do you realize every time you say no to God, that it's almost as if you're instructing him that he's making an error, that your ways are better? You're, you're trying to instruct the Almighty, saying, no, God, this is actually how it should be. Now, Here's the thing though, the Lord has given us his mind. He has given us his spirit. Now it's your obligation to give maintenance to that. Because just as much as God has given you eyes, if you don't give attendance to your eyes and protect them, you can impair your vision. You can impair your hearing. And you can isolate focus on one given sense like, for example, those who blind have heightened hearing. 
And so God is wanting us to tap into his spirit and wanting us to acquire wisdom from that spirit. I was listening to a message uh, recently <clears throat> and he said it's only those who pray very deeply and intimately that have interactions with the spirit and thereby learn the ways of that spirit. You got to understand that just as you think about that, we are literally communicating with a spirit and it's the Holy Spirit. We are communicating with a spirit. And the more you do communicate with the Holy Spirit and you engage him, the more you begin to learn his ways because he discloses his heart. The Bible says in Psalm 25 that the Lord takes those who are meek into his confidence and shows them his covenant. He says unto Abraham, shall I hide unto, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Jesus says this, I no longer call you servants, but friends, for servants don't know the master's will, what their master does. So if you want to be able to know, to acquire that intimate wisdom from the Holy Spirit, you must befriend him. You know what that means? Stop violating what he doesn't want you to do. Does see friends don't violate friends' requests. Doesn't it say in James, don't you know that fellowship with the world is enmity with God? Come out from the world. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and I will receive you, as the scripture says. See, this is why believers so often shadow box and they're shrouded in darkness is because they still want to grab a hold of some of the things that the world has to offer. And therefore they don't have good judgment. They don't have good judgment on matters. It's like a, it's like the monkey who's being chased by a... a, a like, uh, you know, maybe a, I don't know what runs after monkeys, some sort of wild animal. And uh, you know, maybe he was looking for a banana in his, in a jar, or I don't know, some, you know, somewhere in his hand gets caught. And the only way he can let go of the hand is he lets go of the banana, but he doesn't want to let go of it. So he has two conflicting desires. He wants a banana, but he wants to escape. <clears throat> so... My final thoughts about this is let us, let us not live foolish lives. Let us not be fools. Because Paul even tells us that it can be possible that God's own people are foolish. In First uh, First Corinthians, he calls them fools. We need to learn from the Lord and we need to acquire his wisdom so in short the way that you do that is very simple is number one is you have to obey him 
Because if you're not obedient in what he has shown you already, he won't show you anymore. You have to make that covenant with him that you will not violate what his will is for your life. And so, going back to what we spoke about earlier, that chaos, God's wisdom provides order. So if you defy that wisdom, your life will remain chaotic. The order of God won't meet your life. I'd rather live in an orderly society than in anarchy where there's no law or where people are a law unto themselves. And when we defy his authority, that's exactly what we're doing. Do you know that? We're saying, I don't want to be under your government and rulership. And there's only one king, a mortal, wise God, that has the capacity to govern the world sufficiently and adequately. And it's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so if you don't want to abide under his government, you will live a disordered life, a life of chaos. And there will be no self-management or management skills that will be able to help to govern your life. And so number one is obedience. Number two is growing in the knowledge of the scriptures. First, first or second Peter says grow. I think second Peter chapter one, grow in the knowledge of the grace of God. So you grow in this knowledge. And number three is to pray. Proverbs uh, chapter 2 and James chapter 1 verse 5. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and he will give liberally unto all men without finding fault. But let that man ask in faith, not doubting, for the man who doubts is like the double-minded man, is unstable in all his ways. It's like that wave tossed to and fro. And so, 